Hello, and welcome to Stops and Starts, a women's hockey podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Glavin, and this is episode seven. Thanks for listening, and as I always say at the beginning, I just want to say, if you like what you hear, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Podbean. Um, on today's show, we'll do a World's Championship update, talk a little bit of NWHL and a little bit of NHL. Um, I have to say, though, before I get started... I feel like a veteran podcaster now because last week when I published my podcast, I had a bunch of technical issues and oh, I wasted like hours trying to figure it out. And then even when I finally thought I had it figured out, like a few days later, someone emailed me and was just like, yeah, your podcast did not go on Apple. So I'm like, oh, okay. Um, But I, I think I got it figured out. And if that episode got eaten by the internet, that's okay. It was just the long one about the the USA roster. Um, if it got eaten by the internet, that's okay. Um, you know, hopefully the problem, hopefully it was a one-off thing and then life will be simpler going on. Um, but it was kind of funny. It was like, I actually did some editing to my last episode, which I don't normally do. Uh, so lesson learned, like I edited it and then sure enough, there was issues. So I was just like, yeah, this is why you just keep it simple and put it out there, the raw version and then get on with your life. So lesson learned. All right. Uh, It was a quiet week in women's hockey, as one would expect at the end of July. Um, So this, the good news is this will be a lot quicker um, podcast um, from my perspective. Um, And uh, and, and yeah, so just a quick podcast, hopefully. Um, So on the world's front, uh, firstly, um, USA Hockey announced their world championship roster. Um, so remember that's a 25 person roster and they had previously announced their 27 person centralization roster. So their world's roster, they, they cut Hannah Brandt and they cut, um, Callie Flanagan. I don't think either of those are, are too surprising. The rest of the roster is the centralization roster that we talked about last week. Um, and so Callie Flanagan, I had talked about, you know, I, she's a right-handed defender and hasn't been on an IIHF team for USA since the Olympics. Um, I, I think she was kind of going against Buckbinder for a spot and they opted to go with Buckbinder. So that's that. Um, Hannah Brandt is a center. Um, she has been, she was on the Olympics. I think that was her first Olympics in 2018. And then she was on the 2019 and she's been named to all the rosters so far, um, since then. Um, and she's a center, um, but she was just pretty quiet during her most recent PWHPA, um, showcases this year. I think just, just one point. Um, and, and, you know, if you're doing good things other, all over the ice elsewhere, maybe you can get away with that. Um, but, uh, and specific, specifically as like a center or a defender, I think you can sometimes get away with it. Um, but, uh, USA Hockey decided to cut her, um, and, and go with a different, a different option for worlds. So Hannah Brandt and Callie Flanagan are still part of the centralization roster. So they'll be back to train with the group whenever they reconvene in, I guess it's probably early October, but they won't be on the world's roster. Um, what that does mean for the world's roster, um, is, you know, Buckbender will be one of the new faces making her Team USA debut. Um, another and then another person that I was super excited to see on there was Jincy Dunn, who has been that person who, like I said, she had two. Um, she was an All American 
first line All-American twice in her college career, second team All-American once in her career. She was centralized for the Olympics when she, before she was even a freshman for college. Um, and yet she's just somehow never made it onto a senior team. So I'm really excited to see Jinsey Dunn um, finally make it as a defender for Team USA um, um, at the senior level. Um, when that USA roster was dropped, they also announced who their coaches were, which they had not done previously. Previously, we only knew that the coaches were going to be Joel Johnson, and he's an interim head coach. Um, and then from an assistant coach perspective, we really didn't know. There was basically just tons of options out there. In the end, they went with Brian Pothier. Um, he has been coaching the senior women's national team since, I think, 2018. Um or maybe it was 2019, I can't remember. Um, but at any rate, so he's been there for a few years. Um, so, so he's going to be coaching, and then they're also going to have Courtney Kennedy, who's the associate head coach at Boston College and is an Olympian herself. And then they will also have Allie Altman as the goaltending coach. Um, Allie Altman runs a goaltending school in um, Minnesota, and she is an alum of, I want to say Mankato State Mavericks. Um, so, and she's been involved with USA hockey for some time now as well. So that's their, that's their coaching roster. Um, and then that, the playing roster is, as I said, uh, the other announcement that they made, which is, I think it was expected, but it's, it's, it was that, um, the USA games are going to be broadcast live on the NHL network. Uh, so that's wonderful. And it's, it's kind of what I expected, but what's, what's new is that, and what feels like an improvement is that, um, you know, it, it was just four years ago at the 2018 Four Nations where you really had to wait until the day of to find out, is it going to be streaming? Where is it going to be played? Um, <clears throat> and, and so you couldn't really plan to watch it. And then you, you literally didn't know what to expect until you clicked on the link or turned on the, it wasn't, I don't think it was on TV in the United States. Um, you didn't really know what to expect from a broadcasting perspective until you clicked on the link. And even at that Four Nations Cup, which, so this is three three or four years ago. I can't do math today. Anyways, um, they only, they didn't show all the USA games. There's no, they definitely didn't. Um, they didn't broadcast them. So so this is an example of, pro, bro, of progress. And then even the fact that they're telling us a month in advance, yep, it's on the schedule. They're going to be broadcast live. Um, that is fantastic. So I think what's going to happen is, It'll be the TSN feed that they show us down here. Um, so my guess is it'll be Rod Black and um, Cheryl Pounder. That's usually who who calls the games. Although, will they call the USA games too? I don't know. So maybe there is a USA. Um, I, I just don't know if like, that team could call every single game. That's a lot of games. Um, so at any rate, um, the games are going to be broadcast live on TV on NHL Network. So... Um, get subscribed if you're not already. On the Canadian side, um, they have not announced their roster for Worlds yet. Um, I think that they had said that they're doing a camp in August and then they're going to announce theirs um, closer to Worlds. So that's fine. Um, but what they did do last week, they announced that they added Jesse Eldridge to their centralization roster. So they're centralizing 29 in Canada, whereas the United States is centralizing 27. 
Um, so that's really exciting for Jesse Eldridge. Good for her to get centralized. Um, and they didn't say why or what caused this change of heart. So your immediate reaction is just like, oh, I hope nobody's injured. Uh, but like, I'm choosing to be positive and say, nope, nobody's injured. They got lots of time to get healthy for Worlds and um, Olympics down the road. But, uh, you know, it. that being said, you know, uh, Melody Dau was injured for the most recent PWHPA event. Um, she did not play in it, and she's a forward, plays wing, just like what Jesse Eldridge did at this most recent um, PWHPA event. So I just hope that, um, I just hope Dau is going to be healthy and available for Worlds. Um, and then Micah Zandi Hart, she's a defender. She was the other one that was um, injured prior to the PWHPA event in Calgary and she didn't compete in it but she's still part of this centralization roster so those are two people we're kind of waiting to see about their health status but um at any rate Jessie Eldridge so just a little quick snapshot on her um she is uh she played her college hockey at Colgate University and graduated in I want to say 2019 and she um what was so so I looked up her stats and what was so impressive was that like hers granted her time on ice probably increased every year but she was more productive in points every single year of her career and uh, I don't think a lot of players do that like most might have like a little dip or a good year or a bad year or whatever and whereas she pumped out like these aren't perfect numbers but it was like something like 27 and then 37 and then 47 and then 54 points like so she was adding about 10 points a year Jesse Eldridge um um, so really impressive. Um, and she's the all-time points leader with 163 for Colgate. And there was a, like a whole bunch of things happening that really like uh, revitalized that program in, in the past um, half decade, I would say. But Jesse Eldridge was a huge part of it. Um, when she went into the PWHPA event that happened in um, Calgary, at the beginning of it, you know, so she had recently been cut from the centralization roster. And then um, at the beginning of that event, um, Caroline Ouellette was talking um, as part of the panel with Jeff Merrick, and she was kind of running through some of the names. And she said with Jesse Eldridge, she was like, I'm just curious to see how her fitness goes and how it develops as she gets older. Um, so, okay. And then by the end of the tournament, Jesse Eldridge, had, she was like, I think she might've been like top three in points or something like that and just played great. And, uh, she assisted, uh, Marie Philippe Poulin's game winning goal, which was a really nice assist and just a really nice play. Um, so, um, needless to say, Jesse Eldridge really played great at that event. And yes, she played most of the event on Marie Philippe Poulin's line, which helps a person look great. Um, but she, she just looked great. And so when Hockey Canada announced that they were adding a name and it was Jesse Eldridge, it was, there was no surprise. And I think as a Canadian fan, you have to be encouraged that she is still in the mix. Um, so, so that's exciting. Uh, no real college news to report from the last week that, um, is sticking out in my mind. Um, so let's jump ahead to the NWHL. Um, the NWHL, um, did a few different, well, they had two things, so actually three things. So the, f the first thing is that, um, they hired or they contracted with, I'm not sure which, a consulting firm, um, um, a for, uh, with a fellow named Tim McGee. He's a senior marketing executive 
and he has a company called MSP Sports, uh, and he is, it's an American company. So he, they've basically, he's going to try to help them with their business operations and like bring in money and sponsorships. Um, so couple reactions to that, um, reading through his bio, the phrase that two things jumped out at me. One was just the phrase turnkey partnerships. So he has, I guess, a portfolio of contacts, etc. Um, where that phrase turnkey to me suggests that like ready to go, like, you know, he can initiate some meetings and, and he can like bring in sponsorships pretty quickly. That's the suggestion that I see when I read turnkey, um, kind of almost like there's a template and it's ready to go. Um, so that was one reaction. I was like, okay, you know, like, let's, let's go. Let's, let's see. And then the other thing was just, you know, his, in his bio, they referenced that he had done work with like the Olympic properties and the Paralympic properties. So he's familiar with the sports sphere. Uh, so yeah, the sports sphere. And, um, so that was good. Um, on the other side of the coin, I think was just, um, um, the NWHL has it has kind of always like pitched itself as being different and it is different. It's a disruptor, right? And so if this fellow is sort of like the old tried and true way and the women's sports has never made great gains in the old tried and true way, it's like, well, why is it going to suddenly work with this guy? Um, so I'm, I was just, I don't know. I just, I mean, has he not pitched to, to get business partnerships for women's sports before? Or I was just like, how is this different? You know, because they've, the NWHL has always been about like doing things differently and being a disruptor. And I think that there is also increasing, there's various schools of thoughts, but like one of the, one of the schools of thoughts is just that like growing women's sports, it's not just going to be that one of the phrases that gets used is lift and shift. It's not just going to be copying the male, the male version of how it's done, um, which, um, again, if the women have never even been in the door getting to pitch, then I don't know why you can't copy certain aspects of the male side of it, how, me how men's sports has grown and gotten sponsorships. Um, but there's definitely, like, I can see how, I can see how um, recognizing that women's sports and men's sports and the way that their fans interact and consume and might have different values and stuff like that, I can, I really really appreciate that argument as well so I guess I just I'm curious to see how Tim McGee operates in this space and what he can do for the NWHL I'm optimistic um, I'm glad to see him aboard and I hope that his addition can pay immediate dividends um, for the league and the players and the fans um, so we will see I think you know again I think of the the, the most five recent hires that the NWHL has, has done, um, if you count the teams and the, and the league, um, four out of five have been um, men. Um, and it's, it's always very tricky because um, I think that you want, from my perspective, you do want diversity, but you don't want like exclusionary. Like I personally am not on the side that says no men. <laughs> um, so um, what I often do though, when, so, but nonetheless, like four out of five of their most recent hires that they announced were men. So like that raises some eyebrows. Um, and so I think these guys, they, they really do need to deliver, whether it's the scouts with the national team contacts or the, um, 
or this fellow with his marketing. Like there's, there should be pressure on these guys to deliver. Um, um, so that, so that was that. I'm trying to think if there's anything else to say on, on that hiring. I don't think so. I think then, uh, we can uh, carry on. Oh, I guess just, you know, coming back to the, the one thing I guess I come back to is like, that I guess I was just curious about is they got this Discover partnership last year, which is a huge, huge partnership. Um, and that was an example of like the NWHL being like a disruptor and being, I think, unique and different. Was just, and, and they somehow made that happen without going the old mainstream route. So are they like now abandoning that path or are they just like strengthening and adding? It's just, you know, I think time, time will tell, um, time will tell. Okay. So the other thing the NWHL is doing this week is, um, they're doing an international draft on Twitch, which is cool. Um, at 1 PM. And I think what it is, is just a marketing event. Um, because again, when they draft people, they, they only retain the rights for like two weeks. Um, um, and in this international draft, I have no idea if they retain the rights at all. Um, so the people who are eligible for this international draft, so the NWHL operates in Canada and the United States. So international basically means non-Canada, non-United States. And it's also um, born players. And it's also... Um, um, players who have not used any of their NCAA or U sports eligibility or played in the N or played in the NWHL. Okay. So, um, the crowd that is eligible to be drafted is not a crowd that I am familiar with at all. Um, so I'm just curious to, I guess, is this going to be a one round draft I guess I'm curious just to learn six new names um they could draft people well maybe I'll know some of the names but they could draft but I doubt it they could I mean it I feel like they could draft anyone they could draft like Jenny Hirakoski who's 34 years old and like the best player on Finland um or was the best player I don't know if she still is um or maybe they'll draft like players that were I think they might have to be 21 years old too um they could draft players that were on recent U18 teams for these um European teams um so recent but now let's say that person's grown up a little bit and they're 21 I'm just so curious how they're going to know who to draft um and if they've reached out to these individuals uh to say hey you're actually gonna get drafted um and also is there actually a path for these players? Let's say they get drafted. Is there a path to pay to get them over here? And again, there's a pandemic happening too. Um, but is there a path and money to get them over here, get them the proper visa that they need? Um, and then depending on like language barriers or again, um, work visas, like are they going to be able to get the necessary job to supplement um, what they earn from the NWHL so they can afford to live here in America or Canada for the six-month season. Um, so lots of question marks around this draft. And if they get even one, if they draft even one player and get that person into the league playing, that's a huge win. Um, so I'm super curious to see how this plays out. Another um, way to look at it is like, depending on the individual, um, and I guess also some people could just 
the reality is, you know, maybe they'll do work under the table without a, without a work visa, maybe babysitting or something, who knows. But um, I guess the other perspective is like, maybe if they can get a 15, let's say they get a contract for 15,000, maybe they have some savings or some help from, from family back home, and maybe they can afford to just be in America or Canada and play hockey and um, travel a little bit and just spend time here, which boy, doesn't that sound fun? Um, um, whether you're doing it, um, doing it coming to America or the reverse going to Europe to play hockey. Um, so who knows? Um, but I think that's exciting. I think the NWHL, I mean, they are incredible. They are always just, they're always up to something, you know? Um, so I'm really, um, I hope that they record when they record it, I hope that they, they save it and make the stream available later on Twitch as well, which I, again, coming back to differentiating yourself, um, like I'm a fan, but I'm also, um, as a parent and, uh, as a, specifically as a parent, as specifically as a mother, like just being like at one o'clock on Sunday, is today Sunday, being like, oh, hey fam, I'm disappearing to go like watch an international draft. Like I just can't do that. So I really hope that they, again, differentiate themselves, recognize that their fan base is a little bit different. And so, you know, we're going to make that stream available to be watched later on. And I think they're going to, I think that's how they roll. Um, so, but I'm crossing my fingers, um, crossing my fingers that, that that's the case. Cause I am interested and it's going to be hosted by Katie Goss and I quite enjoy, um, I mean, I would have liked if Erica Ayala was part of it again, but, um, um, cause the two of them hosted the last draft and they did a nice job. Um, but I'm, I'm quite happy to watch, uh, Katie again as well. Cause I, I think she did a nice job too. So, um, so that's the draft. I'm excited to see what the NWHL comes up with. Um, and then the last thing I was going to talk about today was just, uh, the NHL. My God, where do you even start? Um, and, uh, being that this is a women's hockey podcast, I don't want to give too many minutes to that. Um, but, but I think one of the things I think about is like, so I'm, I was a hockey fan and player, I guess, since I was six years old. So the late eighties. And so like, you know, hockey kind of really becomes like a huge, it's just like intertwined in your life and everything. And, um, so when the NHL, you know, it's very difficult. What I'm saying is when the, when you grow up and you kind of realize like sort of the, the ugly parts of a league, it's, it's really hard to just walk away and say, well, I'm not going to have anything to do with that league anymore. And it's even doubly more so when I'm like, like the reality is this is true of hockey and life, but like everything is interconnected. So like women's hockey is interconnected with men's hockey. That's just a fact. Um, so when the way the NHL conducts itself, somehow it's all connected and it, it's all very connected is what I'm saying. So if, even though I don't like, so I don't like what I saw certain things this week in the NHL and yet I can't just walk away and I can't just be like, they're canceled. I have nothing to do with them anymore. Um, and a perfect example is just the women's hockey tournament that I'm going to watch next week. It's, it's, or next month it's on the NHL network. So I'm going to pay the 25 bucks to the NHL network. You know, it's, it's all connected, but anyways, this last week, it just had, <clears throat> for the NHL, it had the potential to be the greatest week in NHL history in some ways, um, uh, just by virtue of greatest week in, you know, off-ice stuff. Um, it was a really big deal when Luke Prokop came out as um, gay on earlier earlier in the week. 
Um, I think what he did really does matter for uh, LGBTQ individuals. And, and it wasn't just, okay, he's going to make hockey a more welcoming place, but it was, you know, the stuff that he shared um, about, um, you know, just worrying about being rejected by his family. And like, I honestly had tears in my eyes reading that stuff. Um, you know, and then of course his family did not reject him. They, they completely accepted him, but just that is like a huge, um, my understanding is that's just a huge concern, um, and issue for LGBTQ youth in particular, um, that they will be rejected by their family if they come out. So, um, and it puts them at risk for suicide, um, or depression or all sorts of other issues. Um, so to have this individual who's a professional hockey player come out is a huge deal for that group. Um, so really exciting and special that Luke did that. And I wish him the absolute best. So that was like one of the best things that happened in the NHL this week. Um, and then the next day, like a whole bunch, I might have my days mixed up. A whole bunch of stuff came out about that Chicago allegations that were just horrific. Um, and so it, then it's like the roller coaster up, down, right? And then there was the Kraken event, which again should be just one of the most celebratory, amazing weeks in um, in NHL history because expansion is not something that happens very often. And I can't imagine that they're going to go much beyond thirty-two teams. Um, or if they do, I would think that's a long ways away. Um, so it's, again, just a, a huge celebratory event to, to welcome the Kraken. And what was really special about the Kraken was just they've done the whole, like, diversity and inclusion. Hockey is for everything. They've really embraced it as they built their um, front office and um, all the all the employees and, and stuff like that um, on their team. Um, and... Um, for me personally, like the highlight was seeing Cammy Granato um, announce a pick and, and be interviewed and be part of that event. And it was it was a fine event. It was fun. Um, at first, I couldn't figure out why it was outside. And then I remembered, oh, yes, coronavirus. Um, but it was cool. And, and Seattle looked beautiful. And Seattle was uh, well represented in that event. So again, real positive event. And then maybe it was the next day that the Chicago stuff blew up again. Again, just horrific. Um and then, so you're like, the NHL is going up and down. It's just such a roller coaster. And then you're like, okay, it's going to, we're going to go to the draft. Um, and the draft is going to be a great event. And like, again, the draft is just, um, should be a very celebratory event. And of course, you know, Mark Bergevin drafts a kid who was um, convicted of a sexual offense and, or, and who had asked not to be drafted this year. And it's like, you can't change the past. The kid did what he did or the the young man did what he did and um you can't change the past but like here he is trying to make things better he says don't draft me this year um and Bergevin self and Bergevin selfishly is just like well no like we're doing our thing and, and you're drafted and it's just I mean if you want to improve hockey culture how are you there's a lot of people who are trying to improve it and that's and that's what I'm don't want lost when people talk about this week is like the Luke Prokop thing was a real positive. The way the Kraken are operating themselves is a real positive. There's a ton of wonderful people in hockey. And they deserve better than what I think, than what Bergevin did last week. Like, it sucks, you know? Um, and it doesn't matter when people are like, oh, well, the, the, kid, the player was going to get drafted in later rounds, blah, blah, blah. He had to do this if he wanted him. It's like, well, you know what? At the end of the day, he's the one that drafted him. So... 
Um, there's all these people who are trying to make hockey better. The player who made the, who committed the um, offense tried to do his part by saying, don't draft me. And then um, they went ahead and drafted him anyway. So just, you know, um, just unfortunate. Like what should have been one of the most celebratory, wonderful events of the NHL. It should have been an amazing week. Just and then also just launching the ESPN coverage is just an ugly week. Um, last thing I will say is just, you know, there are so many people that deserve better um, in regards to, like, junior hockey culture. And one of the groups that deserves better is all the... They are... I think they're boys when they kind of go into junior hockey or they're young men, whatever. I don't know. They're young. They're, like, 16, 17 when they get drafted into the OHL, etc. They deserve a culture. Any parent that sends their kid off into that culture deserves better. Um, nobody wants to send their kid off... And have their kid join a Snapchat group, and then their kid now has to receive images like the one that went out. Those players all deserve better. And it is on the coaches, the parents, the GMs in the NHL who are drafting these players to be the leaders and set the tone. Um, ultimately, the person that commits the offense is the one who should be paying the price. That's just the way that society works. You don't get to say, oh, well, the culture... You don't just get to blame the culture, but culture lifts people's up or like it brings out the best in them or it brings out the worst in them. And people have talked about all the different groups who have been hurt by this um, culture and this um, sharing of the, the photo of the um, sharing the, the photo of the, the, the girl um, or the woman. And nobody was hurt more than the, the victim, but like. The culture itself is so horrible and it's hurtful to the young boys and young men that are even a part of that culture and all those players, all the good players that are in there, all the good kids that are in there, they deserve so much better too. So, ah, what a week. Um, I guess you just have to, uh, I, I just don't even know what to say. Anyways. That was episode seven. Um, I will see you guys in a week. Thank you for listening. As always, um, you know, love, love, love the, the continuing stuff. Love the good stuff of sports. But there's always that other side. And you just try to, I don't know, hard to make sense of it sometimes. So that's a tough one. I don't really know how to end it, but I'll see you guys in a week. And um, thank you so much for listening. Bye.